Well, good morning, everybody. My name's Paul Tolley, and I'm delighted to have Mayor Sam Copeland in the studio with me this morning to have our monthly chat, as we generally do after the council meeting. Good morning, Sam. Morning, Paul. And I'll start by congratulating you on re-election as mayor. Thank you. I wasn't sure in what capacity I'd be turning up today, or whether <laughs> whether indeed I should. For a moment, for a moment or not. Um, so. For people that don't know, there's a process here. There's a mayoral and a deputy mayoral nomination every two years. Some places that I've lived uh, have required that when we vote for council, we also vote for mayor. Other places like Armadale, the the election of a mayor for, for the peers, the other councillor. How does it, just briefly, how does it work in Armadale for people who may be interested yeah. in the process? Well... The majority of councils in New South Wales have a councillor-elected mayor. So the, 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 the council elects the mayor, not the, not the population. And for, for all of those councils, um, the usual council term is four years and midway through, so after two years, uh, the mayor and deputy positions um, come up for re-election. This is a shorter council term because the council elections last time, or last back in 2021, were delayed due to COVID. So the previous council term was very long. This one's only about two years and eight months. And so we had and most councils around new england and probably most councils in new south wales actually had their mayor and deputy mayor elections last or this week gone or the week before and that will take us through to for 12 months until the september to september the 14th which is when the next yeah, election i, I did due. wonder about the two years uh, and so you're saying that because i had assumed that the mayor would be elected for the for the term of the council. So you're saying that will be the case next time, or are we locked into a two year? Uh, sorry, the, the council elections are going to be for, for a four year term, mm -hmm. but the mayor and deputy are every two years. Always every two Always. years. For in other places, they're often for the same. The, the deputy and mayor are, are for the same length of time as council. Only in those few councils that actually have a direct elected ah. mayor. All right. Okay. We've cleared that one up. The next one I want to go to is the e-scooters. Now, mm. um, is, there a, is there a license required by the operators of the scooters? Is there an arrangement with council? Is there a financial arrangement? How does this work? Okay. Um, a lot of myth around there. So let's do a bit of myth busting, shall we? Well, I woke up and for three days there were three on the pavement in front of my place and everyone was having to walk round to the nature strip. And I've noticed around town they just get dumped on the pavement. I wondered why mm. why they can't be put on the nature strip so that people have, pick the older people, have access to the, pave, yeah. to the oh, pavement. It would have been an opportunity for you to be a good citizen there and move and move them, Paul. <laughs> well, I or did you just look I at them? Am I allowed to touch them? I, I mean, of I don't you know are. what the requirements are. Of, so. of course you are. Mm. We all have to be grown-ups in this world. The... Um, so the, the scooters are a 12-month trial, and so electric sco scooters are illegal in New South Wales. We're, I think, the last state that hasn't approved them. So transport for New South Wales um, wants to conduct a trial to see what is the best way to use the scooters. And what makes our trial... And Armidale was selected. We The number of councils put in uh, applied to be the, the host site. Armadale was selected, and I like to think that that's because we're a, you know, a forward-thinking, smart city. Well, we have a TAFE in the university, and it may be related mm. to age demographic as well. Look, it, it, it could. Mm -hmm. um, what makes our trial unique, though, is that our scooters are to be ridden on the road now as opposed to the footpath. 
not many not as many people know that as they should now it is it's all laid out on their beam mobility app which is the one that you need to use to get the scooters moving um so they're to be ridden on the road and you're meant to wear a helmet uh there is now a three strikes policy because uh, they have geolocators if you're riding them constantly on the footpath and you're not wearing a helmet um three strikes then you're um you know you're, you're banned from using them mm -hmm. and they can just switch you off uh, electronically to do that the scooters are also uh, geolocated or there's a geofence uh, if you like yes uh, that limits where they can go and so some areas are out of bounds they'll just won't work there uh, UNE was within that fence then they're outside the fence uh, we're trying to get them back into the fence uh, if that hasn't happened yet it, it, it will shortly so you you do see a lot of e-scooters just parked up along the uh, Elm Avenue. Yes, I've seen them. <laughs> yeah, you've seen them there. <laughs> so, so, so there's that. Then, maybe to come to your point for parking, it it comes down to to common decency. Are people going to park them thoughtfully or not? Now, we see some people. They're you know the the, the fools of the world will you know put them on a roundabout and think it's funny. Mm. Um, this is something where, you know, the council tussled with, but I think it was pretty easy to dismiss. If we have to make decisions based on the stupidest, most selfish people in our region, then we can't have nice things. It's, it's as simple as that. So what we have to do is hope that the idiots sort of run out of enthusiasm for it and there's something else for them to do, um, or that the good people actually pick up after the fools. Now, the other thing is, the idea of a scooter is to get from A to B, not A to A. So, there are about 50 different, um, parked, well, let's say parking areas uh, dotted around the city. And if you park your scooter back in one of those designated areas, you get a 50%, sorry, 50 cents uh, off your ride. If you just leave it outside your house, that's fine. You just don't get the 50 cent uh, discount. And the idea is that, yep, park it thoughtfully, let people get around, but not everyone's thoughtful. Because it did strike me that the, the company that's operating them, Beam, has a great advantage against many other companies. They, they are using the, the public space, the public mm. pavement very often, rather than the, even than the nature strip, as a free storage area for their, for their product. Yeah, probably. So council could... Um, Perhaps ask them for a fee for storage space. No, oh, we, look, we, we probably could, but let's not quibble. Right. Um, no, well, I'm just I'm just pointing it out. I mean, yeah. I, so these are if you are you don't required you're not required to have a road license, a vehicle license of any sort, but you can you you must ride them on the road. And I did notice this because I I had an experience in the early days where I approached um, an intersection where there was a step a stop sign on either side of me. And I had the right of way and three of them came through in a group straight through a stop sign, diagonally through the intersection, not, not following the idea of lanes. And I would have cleaned up the final one if I hadn't hit the brakes very sharply and then yeah. I got the usual finger and I thought, and that's why I wanted to ask you because I thought these are on the road but people using them don't necessarily seem to understand the rules no. of the road or recognise a stop sign you or whatever. You have to be aged over 16. Mm -hmm. So the rules are you have to be aged over 16, you have to wear a helmet, you have to ride them on the road. They're sort of the... The bigger right. picture rules. So there'll be greater enforcement with that. It is a trial. Um, so a few th changes that have occurred is that the 
they're all locked down. They won't work between midnight and 4am on a Friday or a Saturday <laughs> evening, which, you know, for obvious reasons. Well, that reasons. is protection against idiots. <laughs> it <laughs> is. And, or even, sens- or even sens- <laughs> sensible people who <laughs> yes, <indeed>. <laughs> <laughs> drift into idiocy. Um, so that's, you know, and that that's what the, the, the trial will do. But three weeks in, I've been really... I've been really impressed. The you know there was the initial hoo-ha on social media that became quite funny. Um, you know, backlash. This is terrible. I, you know, it's the end of civilization. The scooters. You know, I've seen them holding people up and you know whatever. Um, then we had the the great um, re- repost from uh, people saying, "Look, stop being such a negative Nelly uh, about this. Let's get on board." And now it's all just gone quiet. Yes, and I'm, I'm not being negative. I'm just asking the questions because mm. one day they weren't there and the next day there was three right in front of my place on the pavement um, for it begging, three days. Beg, begging I you no to idea use what them. The situation. I didn't know what they were, to be quite honest. <laughs> I hadn't seen yeah. them. Anyway. <laughs> what, what is interesting, though, is how a number of people, I think, are riding them on the footpath thinking they're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe there's a, a little more communication. Needs there is to more be. communication needs to happen. Yes. The other thing I should hasten to add is that, and I think it's probably died down, but you know, a few of the the, the our local conspiracy theorists um, were thinking that council's getting a kickback. Council hasn't paid any money for this. We're not getting any money back. Um, it's a it's a trial to see if we can have nice things. No, that that's good. Um, there's going to be a, uh, a draft ecologically sustainably sustainable development um, policy put for public display and public comment. Public exhibition, yes. Yeah, could you tell us what it is, please? Yeah, this is just around uh, the, our building codes. So uh, the thinking is that if you're building a new house, any new development that um, you know has meets certain requirements, see that through its um, you know might be double glazed, it might be. Um, better insulated, it might be have, have be aligned, you know, north facing, and you know, big windows to the north, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, that meeting a bunch of these criteria would see that the developer fee that you pay for a new build uh, is reduced or waived. So there is an incentive to spend money on a more ecologically sustainable dwelling than something cheap and cheerful and that's very interesting i've it's always struck me as odd if you like that when people including myself look to buy a car a new car we look at the cost of the vehicle we look at um the cap- various capabilities of the vehicle and we all look at the well with a petrol vehicle the fuel consumption yep. and the cost of maintenance of a vehicle but when people buy a home they look at the, the price they don't look at the cost of maintenance mm of the home and the things you're mentioning, uh, insulation, double glazing, a lot of other aspects can give you a considerably cheaper maintenance, yearly maintenance cost on a house. I'm not talking about maintenance and repairs. I'm just talking how much does it cost to maintain and live in that house yeah. over a 12-month period? And I think perhaps that's the direction you're going in with this? It is. And look, personally, I, as someone who lives in a 105-year-old weatherboard house, <laughs> I know it is a very expensive house to live in in an Armadale winter. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I, you know, I, I wish 100 and 105 years ago, they'd actually built my house <laughs> well, with these principles. Well, mine is 98 years old, and when the first, the first money I spent on the place was not on 
aesthetics or, or beautifying it in any way. I spent money on insulation. I spent money on permits. Mm. I spent money on all the sorts of things you're talking about, solar hot water and solar electricity, yeah. to reduce the annual running cost of my property. And I think we do have a system, of course, in Australia where you where houses are rated according to sustainability, but we don't see a rating uh, as vehicles have for how much it's going to cost you annually to, no, that's, to run. Look, that's, that's a good point. I expect we will get a lot of, uh, from the public exhibition period, we will get a lot of input um, on this. <laughs> I think you will too. <laughs> <laughs> and it's great. And look, it's something that you know, the region itself won't necessarily benefit from, uh, council won't benefit from, but, you know, it's it's all about doing our bit. Yeah, no, I think it's a very good idea. And I, I, I think that the first thing you can do is look at the return on investment cost. So, for example, I looked at solar batteries, return on investment is, is too far away, so I, yes. I passed it away. But when I looked at originally, the, the return on investment on solar panels was, was good. So you think, how many years do I need to wait before I'm getting a financial benefit? And that's partly what we're yeah. talking about here. And little things like permits, planting deciduous trees on the up to the west and the north so that in winter they the leaves in some of the leaves give you protection from the sun yes and in winter the leaves fall off and you you get mm. the sun there's a lot that can be done and i think perhaps we need to talk to people a little more about this and and think about how how much does this cost this house cost for me to run per year as against this other one i'm considering yeah, buying yeah yeah uh, and I'm sure you'll get a lot of a lot of interest. The future fund you pointed yes. to this last <laughs> month, and um, and I've you piqued my interest. So we're moving along. Aren't we, we are moving along. Look, it's something we've been working on in the background. There's still more work to be done. But the New England Future Fund uh, made it onto the council agenda this month, uh, and it was really for the councillors to endorse the direction that we're taking with this. So to bring everybody up to speed and give them an opportunity to say, yep, we think that's a good idea, crack on. So we're not sure what the final form of it will look like. But at the last council meeting, we we endorsed a benefit-sharing framework, so what we expect from the developers. And that was a minimum of 1.5% of construction costs. So these are the renewable energy developers coming in. A yeah, minimum these are the wind farm people. The wind, like. the solar, the pumped hydro. Mm -hmm. A minimum of 1.5%. Oh, can I quickly say, does that include the transmission line people? Or no, no. No, okay. The transmission lines will be built by the state government right. um, and there will be a different sort of... Um, arrangement. Arrangement there. <laughs> yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. And so the... The, the benefit-sharing framework that we endorsed last month uh, was 1.5% of construction cost. Now, based on what is being proposed in New England, uh, certainly in Armidale anyway, that'll lead to tens of millions of dollars. Now... Is that 1.5% at time of construction or annually? At time of construction. Right. Um, and so the two, there's one that's we've negotiated that's public there's one that's been negotiated that hasn't come forward yet but where they usually end up is probably 50 percent of that is paid up front and the balance over a 20-year period so now the idea is the idea behind the future fund is to build intergenerational benefit and not just squander the sugar hit uh, that will come so the future fund was sort of 
the, the concept of it, you know, we've been thinking about that for quite a while as we were negotiating these agreements. Um, and what many of the developers have historically done when they've gone to other other regions is they've been the only show in town. So they've created their own community benefit fund and they've spent it within a five or 10K radius of the project, which just isn't going to work here. And I've mentioned that in previous mm. um you know, previous chats we've had. So with the Future Fund, we're going to pool all of that money. There will be a board of guardians that are external to council that are overseeing that money, where it is invested, and there are some limits on what those investments can be. So where where it is invested, the other thing that the board of guardians will be charged with is not, not raiding the corpus or the principal and determining where the um, or, or determining what the annual dividend is going to be so that's the role of the board of guardians then with that annual dividend that comes out that you know could feasibly grow to two and a half to three million dollars a year that annual dividend i would say that council will have it will be able to determine how a significant chunk of that is spent and then we'll have a community benefit fund or community benefit, sorry, not fund, community panel uh, that will determine where the balance is spent. So why we want council to make the determination for the bulk of it is so that we can invest in big things and big improvements in amenities in our region. So, for example, if we need a new pool complex at Armadale or Gyra, we can go out and borrow the 20 or $30 million that's required to do that and pay that off over a period of time with revenue that comes out of the future fund. That's what it should be there for. So the council have final authority on how money is spent and the independent guardians just take care of um, legislative and They take care of it. Well, let's say council might have a say over where 75% of the money is spent and the remaining 25% a community group or community panel which who are separate from the guardians who are separate from the guardians would make a call on the rest and so i could see you know I'd, and this will all be worked out in coming months but i could see the different groups around the region might put in applications for funding you know we want to do up the tennis court here we need a new scout hall we need you know we want solar on the mm-hmm. roof at this particular hall out at Wollamumbi. what what have you they could put in applications and then the community um, community panel would make a decision on who gets what, what money. When, when do you expect this to be up and running? I, I, I think the future fund will be up and running or the, the, the structure will be in place within six months. All right. um, and then we wait for the developers. Then we wait for the developers' money to, to come up. in. Mm. So yeah. that'll, and that'll, that'll be sort of trickling in, you know, probably start within 12 months and for the next 10 or 15 years. Mm. Actually, for the next... 30 years, actually. Yes, as long Mm. as it's in place. A couple of interesting things with regard to the airport, and I noticed that in the press release for uh, the re-election of both you and your deputy, um, you you said that we need quality recreation for all of us and unique experiences to draw in tourists. It appears as though Rex is going again. They have come and gone in the past. And for some time we've had the... uh, cafe at the airport not operating so mm. um, i guess this goes to the tourist experience as well as to the local experience yeah ab- absolutely um you know so there's both both good news and bad news around the airport well let's deal with the bad news first and that is uh rex with 
withdrawing. They notified us uh, on Thursday last week, Thursday evening, uh, that they'd be putting out an announcement on Friday that yeah they were withdrawing from Armadale. Uh, or let's say, sorry, not withdrawing, suspending uh, their services from Armadale from the end of October this year until the end of March next year. And they cited a lack of pilots. In fact, they're quite aggressive. They, they cited Qantas poaching their pilots. Yeah, I saw it. And, and this is happening in other, other yeah. centres, not just Armadale. No, no, that's right. So they, they, a shortage of pilots to fly the Saabs and um, they also cited a shortage of, you know, engines and parts, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, their, their coded to it was, well, you know, we'll be back at the end of March, uh, provided this, the situation changes. And supply lines improve for, for yeah, staff and, and equipment. And so, you know, all, all we can really do is take them at their word. After you've just spent the money on the gate. Yes, well, we fortunately we did the cheap, we we did the discount option. Yes, um, which is which is good. So it really only cost us oh, probably about fifty thousand dollars to, you know, open a gate and let people walk out. That said, um, Link still use that gate, mm. so it hasn't been lost. But yes, we we did spend some money uh, to accommodate Rex there. Uh, that said, they put money towards it as well. Mm. Um, and now the other one is the cafe. And yes, the good I, news. I, I, well, I remember when the cafe didn't operate for many years and I'm going back probably between 2005, 2010 and the people, various applicants who were keen to run it all made the point together um, that the rent was such that it wasn't the council's required rent mm. was such that it wasn't financially viable um, and I'm of the view that 80% of something's worth more than 100% of nothing so mm. if you, you put your rent at a level where nobody will take it you've got 100% of nothing if you mm. lower your rent a little bit maybe you get 80% of something so is this still an issue or have we no that's not the issue at all because there's the this, this at the time mm. Yes, I can't speak for other but pre COVID, previous councils. And COVID was a problem, wasn't it, in terms of people going through? I, th I think COVID was the final nail in the coffin. Um, now, we've been very generous with rent-free periods uh, for this. Mm. And, uh, yes, we did have a, a tenant that was going to go in, then they withdrew, and then the other potential tenant that bid decided not to pursue it as well. Um, we have the alternate route going in. From Urala? From Urala. Mm. Um, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a regular there. I think they do a fantastic job. It's so my place of choice, and you're out. It is. It, it's there, it's yes. it's terrific. It's mm. um, so I'm I'm sure that if they can bring some of that, you know, genuine alternate route experience to the airport, we're we're all going to be much better off. So when do we expect to see that operating? Do we have any sense of time? I'm sure we do. I just don't know. That's but quite it's right. with, but it's with it, it 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 is within you know within coming weeks. So. That's now, great. signage on the way into Armadale has been uh, an issue for many, many years. Uh, there was the much maligned People Thrive, the Thrive <laughs> campaign, and nobody yeah. in Armadale seemed to know what that, that <laughs> meant. I certainly didn't. And the I, other think issue, was, I think there was Foodies Thrive when we first moved here other, 10 years ago. People Thrive, but oh, I, yeah. I had visitors who asked me what it meant, and I had to say, look, I've got no idea. The other thing about the, the council signage coming into Armadale and if you're in a vehicle and you're travelling and you've got your eye on the road you don't get very much and I'm talking about the current 
mm. signs as well. You don't get very much time, a fraction of a second, to, to register signs. And the signs that Armadale Council has put up have traditionally been so busy mm. that you rarely, I'm speaking from a practical yeah, sure, point of view, sure. you don't really get much time to register what's there. And I think they, they have a lot of pretty colours and things around them, but that's... Nobody's really thought about the fact that you've maybe got a half a second to register that while you're driving and keeping your eyes on the road. So I'm going to make a practical mm. comment about that. But the other thing that's going on is that um, Councillor Witters has uh, had put up a, uh, a proposal that a sign should say, welcome to the ancestral home of the Anawan people. Um, did that go through last night? Yeah, that went through unanimously. So in terms of signage, that's what it's really about. So it's acknowledging the traditional owners. Mm -hmm. um, and Armadale has always, uh, I think, for a long time, has stood out as not having anything there. Drive, you know, drove down to Orange and mm. going through Dubbo, you know, welcome to Wiridjuri country, yes, you, you know, welcome things. to Gomeroy, all, all of those things, you see them. And I think, it, it reflected rather poorly on us. I know previous councils had, had attempted to do this and there's, you know, the Armadale, New England anyway, but certainly within the Armadale LGA, there are a number of different mobs and there are, uh, you know, in addition to the Anawan, there's, there's another group that are in, in, in a way laying claim to Armadale. And so there's a little bit of history in this, this, this particular motion in that back in June... This year, Councillor Witters put up a motion uh, to have signs on the LGA boundaries and acknowledging, I think, four different mobs. And that one didn't get through because it specifically excluded uh, a particular mob. So that didn't get through, but Council undertook to hold consultations on what would work, to meet with other groups, etc., etc., and this is where we've landed. So it's important to understand that the signs that were... actually didn't go through unanimously. One councillor abstained uh, and one council w was absent. So it went through 9-1 and an abstention is counted as a, as a no. And so what these signs will be, they'll be just part, um, placed on the Armidale city limits uh, acknowledging Armadale City as sitting on Anawan land. And the design for it will be you know, referenced back to our Aboriginal uh, Advisory Committee who will determine what the sign looks like, etc. But it's important to understand that this is the first of... Um, the first of many. I think we will now consult more widely and if I were a betting man, I think we will end up with signs on the LGA boundaries acknowledging all the different uh, mobs that... that uh, you know, whose lands the Armadale LGA sits on. And going back to my first point, I hopefully, and it's not your responsibility, but hopefully there's a simplicity so that these things can be mm. seen. I mean, and I have a bit of background, as you know, with advertising and such, mm. and people that do outdoor advertising know this very well. They know yep. that you haven't, you can't put too much on a, on a signpost no. because people just miss it all. Yes. So, yeah. you know, hopefully... Hopefully, hopefully we will. Well, um, yes, well, as I said, we'll be... I, I, my understanding is it'll go to the Aboriginal Advisory Committee to, uh, to do that. Um, just as a side comment, I, I would love to see less of the, the corporate speak in a lot of council's releases. The, 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 the comment in from the... Um, 
from the agenda on the public exhibition of draft e ecologically sustainable development used incentives once, incentivized twice, um, and this word kept cropping up. And incentivize used to mean encourage. Yes. In, uh, so encourage and incentivize. But I've just noticed that there's someone who obviously is grabbing all the American corporate speak and throwing <laughs> it in wherever they can. <laughs> and oh, I, well, anyway, well. <laughs> maybe I'm old, just a bit off-putting, but I saw some of the language there and I found it a bit strange. Um, we're getting near the end. Uh, I did want to ask you, and we've talked about it a, a few times, but in your media release it says, we've shored up our water security with the acquisition of Oki Dam and the work on raising Malpass Dam Wall. Um, we're getting to a point where water levels are going to fall sufficiently mm. that that work can be done on Malpass Dam? <laughs> You'd think. Um, You'd hope? <laughs> Look, no, I'd rather water levels didn't fall. Uh, actually, on that, it's, it's, it's a good point. I'm getting asked a lot by, um, you know, when are we going to go to water restrictions? Because it is dry. Yes, I, I flew in yesterday morning and really once you get this side of Urala, just looking down from the plane, it's, it mm. really is crisp here. The current policy is that when Malpas hits 80% capacity, we go to level one water restrictions. Malpas is currently at 99.3% capacity and filling. Um, through spring. So I think we will have to revisit. I, I mean, personally, maybe we should go to level one when Malpas is, uh, it hits 90, for example. Mm. Um, but it's a, a little bit of a paradox. So Malpas is still filling up. and But we've got a lot of but that's grazies. Not from the sky, that's that's from, not from the sky, that's yeah, from the ground. Spring systems. Yeah, and, but we've got a lot of graziers now who are, are carting stock water. Uh, or even those that have water tanks attached to their houses uh, are having to fill up from, um, you know, from the town water. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's strange times we're in. I think it would probably be a pretty good signal uh, if for council to start to introduce at least some level one uh, water restrictions soonish. But they're, they're conversations that we're having internally. And Malpas Dam is uh, raising is still going to go ahead. Yes, of course, it'll still still go ahead. So the engineering works and the uh, the tendering documents, which I think was going to be a twelve month process, uh, is still happening. So once that's done, and we know exactly how much it's going to cost or what we need to be asking for, we'll be out. Um, you know, treading the pavements of Macquarie Street to, to get the funding. And I may be wrong here, but it was suggested to me, and I'm, I'm not a, an expert or a, or a, or a person who, uh, an engineer, but it was suggested to me that the, the one silver lining, if water levels go down sufficiently, is that it may make um, storage retention walls and whatever easier to... To install. Look, it, it could, and in any event... And uh, that this was an opportunity to be grabbed, basically, was the comment. Yes, yeah. Look, the if Malpas... Malpas has to be lowered to 50% capacity for work to begin. Mm. Um, what would be a terrible look is if we're in the depths of a hard drought and Malpas is at, say, 70%, but we just have to release water. Um, anyway... We'll, um, we'll cross that bridge when you, we get to you, it. You've, you've made hard decisions in the past with mm. the rate rises, and I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> sure you're up for that again. Look, I think we've covered it. We'll yeah. talk again in a month. Thank you very much, Thanks, as always, Paul. for coming in and explaining a lot of these these issues to people who don't get their hands or don't have the time to look at uh, the agenda items and everything else. But I think it's good that we, we 
we fill in, backfill a lot, a lot of these ideas and let people know what's going on and that they should keep an eye out for the, the, the draft Ecologically Sustainable Development Public Exhibition if they want to make comment. Indeed. Terrific. Thanks very much, thanks, Paul. Thanks very much. All the best.